Right, so my deadline for a feature is just a few days away and I'm really struggling to find case studies. I've been told about Cision's media request service, which helps journalists find interviews and quotes at short notice. So here goes. Cision.co.uk dash journalist hyphen services dash media hyphen requests dash. Great, this is just what I need. PR for companies, charities, leading lifestyle brands, it's all here. Ooh, it even says that if I don't have time to put the request out myself, we've all been there, right? Cision Media Requests team are on hand to help out. And hey, for a rainy day, they can even direct you to PRs in specific sectors, so no faffing around with hashtag journal requests. Content, samples, case studies, sources, I've got it all here on cision.co.uk dash journalist hyphen services dash media hyphen requests dash consider this feature filed. Hello and welcome to Freelancing for Journalists. I'm Emma Wilkinson and I'm Lily Cantor. We're both experienced freelance journalists and in each episode, with the help of two fabulous guests, we give practical tips on key issues you face when working for yourself. In Series 9, we're getting back to basics. Yeah, so I think however long we've been working as freelancers, there will always be ways to hone our skills and boost our chances of getting that commission. And for those of you who are new to freelancing, we hope this will give you some top tips for success. So this week, the topic is how to write for your dream publication. How do you get your byline in the publication or website you've always wanted to work for? I'm really keen to learn more about this one, as I've definitely ticked off some dream publications along the way, but there are others on my list. So I'm looking forward to getting some tips on this. Uh, but first, let's talk about our highlight of the week. Lily, what's yours? Mine actually links quite nicely to uh, the subject today because I went to visit my dream publication <laughs> um, this week. I actually went down to London and I managed to go and pop into the Runners World offices, which is a big swanky uh, building in Leicester Square where Hearst um, Publications is kind of all based. Um, and I went and had a coffee with some of the team there. And it was just really nice to meet them face to face because I've been working with them for a year or two, but never met them in person. So it was it was really nice to go down and do that. And I just think doing that every once in a while um, is, is really worth it um, to kind of build those relationships. So what's yours, Emma? I suspect it's linked to mine. It is. It is linked in that it was all part of the same little jaunt to London. We met up in real life. Hooray. So the, the team behind our podcast, which is ourselves, um, our research assistant, Helen, and our producer, Maddie, we all went to the Ipsy Freelancer Awards and we'd never actually met Maddie in, or I hadn't met Maddie in real life. So that was really nice. Um, and it was really inspiring to see what our fellow self-employed folk had been up to in the past year and yeah, get to have a conversation in <laughs> in face-to-face. Uh, it was really nice, really enjoyed it. Sometimes you just have to make that extra effort, don't you, to go and do that networking. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely worth doing. Right, it's time to introduce this week's guests. So 
So we have with us Donna Ferguson, and this is her second time on the podcast. Uh, But her previous episode that she was on, Imposter Syndrome, is actually been one of our most popular, so we thought we had to get her back. Donna is an award-winning journalist who's written for The Guardian and Observer, amongst others, and she's also a committee member of Women in Journalism, and she runs their freelance training. We also have with us Karen Edwards, a freelance journalist, editor and author who began her career as an entertainment journalist covering music and film for a wide range of publications, including Fabulous, Hello, Grazia and Cosmopolitan. But about a decade ago, Karen switched to writing about travel, particularly sustainable travel, which meant targeting a whole different lot of editors, leading to bylines in the Independent and Telegraph travel section, among others. Yeah, so thank you both so much for coming on today. And um, we're going to start by talking about your experiences of writing for your dream publication. Donna, if we come to you first, could you tell us um, about a publication you particularly wanted to write for and kind of how did you go about making that a reality? Brilliant. Thank you so much for having me back on. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I really, really appreciate it. I so enjoyed the first podcast um, that I was on. So yeah, when I first started out in freelancing, I really wanted to work for a section of The Guardian called the family section. So I, I sent my first pitch to that editor within one month of going freelance and there was no response. So I pitched her again a few months later there was no response. So that time I chased her and chased her until she replied and it was no. So I sent her two more pictures a few weeks later, no response. So I pitched another idea, this time she replied and it was a no. So I pitched her again with a new idea a few weeks later and it was a no. So I pitched her again, another idea. And this time she replied to explain that I should be pitching my ideas to the deputy editor. So I started pitching him instead. It was a no, but he did reply and he said he was happy to get my pictures in the future. And so I pitched him again and uh, a few weeks later, and then it was a no again. (laughs) So he replied again, though, he's, you know, he's replying. So I kept pitching and he kept replying and saying no, but he did start to give me some feedback each time with each rejection. And the fourth time I pitched him, he commissioned me, okay? And that editor has since commissioned me to write more than 30 features for The Guardian and The Observer, has offered me like regular work in Weekend Magazine and some of the most amazing commissions I've ever had in my career, interviewing celebrities about their families and other like really important and kind of moving topics and, and that I've written about. And the more I wrote for him, the more he commissioned me, the more he discovered that he liked my work and soon he was calling me up and just giving me commissions um, out of the blue that I didn't even have to pitch for. So, you know, this was an editor I did not know at all before I started pitching and every single feature he's given me to write has been a dream commission. So sometimes, you know, I reflect back on that and I think, well, what if I'd given up? You know, what if I'd let the first 10 rejections I got first 10 hold me back um so that's kind of why i decided to start giving a masterclass for women in journalism on overcoming your fear of rejection um because you know what i learned 
myself and what I learned from giving these classes to other women as well is that you know developing your resilience as a freelancer is so important and so powerful and a lot of people who come along say you know they feel inspired by by that story just because it does have a happy ending and it shows you that you know every rejection can be a step forward in your relationship with an editor I love your persistence there Donna and I think that's something that we're going to come back to in this because you know you were also learning as you as you went then from the advice that you were we're getting um which I think I you know we're going to talk to you about in more detail in a bit Karen first I'd love to find out a bit more about if there's any sort of one particular publication out of the long list that you've written for that you were kind of particularly keen to sort of get into and, and how you went about it uh yeah thanks for having me Emma and Lily this is so lovely to be here um Yes, for me, it was actually Telegraph Travel. Um, it's a section of a broadsheet that I have admired um, for as long as I've been traveling, really, which takes me back to my late teen years. And um, it, that section has grown into something really quite fundamental. They, you know, they've made it into its own section. It's um, just full of really talented writers and some incredible stories. So it's always been in the back of my mind. That's where I wanted to reach at some point. But um, having a background coming from entertainment and in and in magazines, it seemed um, quite a, quite a big task to get to that point. Um, so what I did was I followed the um, editors. There, there are quite a few editors at Telegraph Travel. I followed the editors on Twitter. I looked out for pitch callouts. I sort of um, was trying to form pitches, but it wasn't coming very naturally to me for that sort of broadsheet element but also the telegraph um sort of angles um so I just kept watching what they were doing and it felt like I was never going to get there to be honest to have that key idea that was uh, that I felt was right that I felt confident in pitching um and it wasn't until about two three years ago actually at the start of the pandemic um when I saw a call out from one of the editors um, for people who had been stranded because of the pandemic or um, they were going through ho hotel quarantine, which the UK was thinking of bringing in at that time. And it just happened that that had been exactly what had happened to me. My partner's from Australia and I'd been stuck in Australia for a while, unable to get home. And we had been through hotel quarantine in Australia and suddenly it was like everything, the stars aligned, everything came together. And I thought, I've got, I've got the right angle, I've got the right pitch um so because i i knew it so in inside out i knew the situation that i needed to pitch i could write a very succinct and detailed pitch to the right editor and um it took about 20 minutes to hear back from that editor um saying you're commissioned this is this is the rate this is what we need um can you turn it around quite quickly which i could do um and it was it was suddenly it was like this weight of years and years for the right moment the right feeling you know to feel like I you know I had the right idea suddenly came together and it came together very fast and suddenly I was a contributor to Telegraph Travel um, and that's been fantastic I've stayed in touch with them I continue to pitch to them and I, I feel very lucky to have got to that stage. That's really interesting because you you obviously took your time and like you say, you were really studying them um, and you had to have the right story. And similarly, Donna kind of took her time in kind of pitching again and again and again. So this is not something that's kind of going to happen overnight. Um, and Donna, just coming back to you, I wanted to ask, 
kind of I suppose if you're perhaps starting out freelancing or starting out in journalism you might be kind of worried about what kind of experience you need behind you or what kind of portfolio you need to have first so do you think there's a certain amount you need to have achieved before you kind of target your dream publication I think the key thing you need and this came out as well what Karen was saying um is that you need to be an avid reader of that publication Mm. um and you know I used to read the family section of the Guardian every week for years before I started pitching it before I worked up the courage to even start and from what Karen's saying it's the same and if it's your dream publication that is definitely what you should be doing you should be reading it every week and I think that will really help you because um if you understand the audience because you you literally are the audience you are the reader um of that section and you you get to know what the editor likes to commission and most importantly what they've already covered and if you compare it to for example another section of in the rival paper you might also see what they're choosing not to cover or what they don't what makes them distinctive and that will all help you to write a better pitch But having said all that, despite being an avid reader of the family section and a journalist with 10 years experience, it still took me over a year to get that first commission. So you do have to be patient, you do have to be resilient. And it does help if you can show the editor that you're experienced as a journalist, that you have a portfolio of relevant work that demonstrates that you know what you're doing and you're kind of a safe pair of hands. But I don't think it's as essential as reading the publication and I think um you know really the truth is they are looking for someone with a good idea who pitches it well and understands their audience and what they want and as well as a good writer so they'll take a punt on someone new if it's a really strong idea that suits their publication yeah absolutely I mean I think this idea of really really researching the publication is a really important one because from um freelance journalists people in our community that we've advised I think sometimes people kind of maybe spend half an hour doing it or even you know skip that step do a bit of a google search of if they've covered this topic in the past week or something but that's not enough um I mean Karen you explained there really nicely that you'd spent years really kind of properly understanding this publication so that when that opportunity arose and you were in the right place at the right time because even though you had the right idea had you not known exactly what they were looking for and you know that might not have have worked out have you got any more advice and perhaps from other places that you worked for as well about how to do that research how to really understand what a publication wants I think I think the key is to be patient with your research as well um it's it's it takes time it takes time to really get to know a publication as Donna said um you do have to study it over a number of weeks months perhaps you know um you have to look at what they have covered before so a lot of publications won't go back in a travel sense for example they won't go back to uh destination within 10 to 12 months of covering it so and that's a minimum so it's something that you know you do have to be in touch with and um gradually sort of spend 
spend your time getting to know, understand the sort of destinations they've already covered or the parts of the world they've already covered when it comes to travel. Um, but I think it's similar with other topics as well. And um, if you're not, if you haven't got that commitment to research, you're not going to hit the nail on the head with your with your pictures unfortunately you've got that's part of the pitching process it, it's not just that final email that you send that's you know that's not just the pitch it's that whole research pattern that goes into it it's really important it is really important and on top of that you know if you've got social media looking at what um editors are looking for if they're if they're putting pitch call outs out there are they asking for a, you know a type of article is there some is there an angle that they seem to be quite familiar with that they really obviously really enjoy um bringing into the publication um all of that comes into the research part of it um and that you know whether that's travel whether that's entertainment whether that's news um, family as donna said it's it's really important and perhaps more important than having like this solid portfolio of work you just need to put in the work for that publication yeah and i think the thing to remember is you're not gonna have to do this like all the time it's about getting your foot in the door isn't it and your your pitches will probably become shorter and shorter as you build up that relationship with an editor, but it really is worth putting the groundwork in when you're, if you're cold pitching um, for the first time. I know when I had my um, site set on Runner's World, I'd been subscribing to it probably for at least six months, I think. So I, you know, I read each magazine cover to cover looked at the different types of features they did and then basically tailored my pitch so that I could explain like what it was going to look like across six pages and broke it down um and it was the first time I pitched and I I got that first pitch commissioned and the editor did say it was like one of the most detailed pitches he'd received but again it was because I'd done that research but my pitches now are not that detailed <laughs> they're just a few lines so I think I think some people might worry that I just, you know, how am I going to make any money if I'm going to spend all this time doing all this research? But it's it is about, like we say, getting a foot in the door at that like dream publication. But I wonder also if there's kind of other ways that you can kind of get on an editor's radar. Donna, I wonder if you've got any other tips for, you know, if you are cold pitching to an editor, how you can kind of make yourself stand out to them. Yeah, so I think one of the easiest things to do, and it's possibly the most obvious, is to just follow the editor on Twitter. So you need to find who edits that section. Usually you can do that by searching LinkedIn or searching Twitter for the name of the section um, and looking at who comes up as working for that section or as the editor of that section. And then, um, you know, follow them on Twitter and suck up to them. Um, you know they're only human and they love like everyone else they love being retweeted they love their tweets being liked and appreciated and you know someone engaging with what they're saying so look at what they're tweeting about and be friendly about you know to engage with them in a friendly way for example even if they just post their word or score you could make a friendly comment or you know I don't know if they post about the weather or something, or if they post an article, it's very likely to be one that they've edited. So you could pick out a really good line from the article to show you've read it and then kind of quote tweet that 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 their tweet. Um, so, you know, it sounds 
like you know a bit obvious but if you can network with them that way and get them to follow you or reply to you you can then use that when you're pitching you can say oh we follow each other on twitter or we recently chatted about how difficult wordle was or whatever it is um that can really help and another thing you can do is to join a, a journalism campaigning or lobbying organization like the muj or or women in journalism because we put on um networking events so the which which christmas party women in journalism christmas party is actually tonight and i particularly obviously as a committee member of which do recommend them especially if you live in london because we sort of regularly hold events where you can meet editors and have a drink with them and it's just much easier to pitch someone that you've met face to face so women in journalism is a campaigning organization that aims to increase diversity and equality in the industry um, and all female journalists are welcome so i think um that's a really good way to do that but as you said yourself lily um you know once you do have a foot in the door then cementing that with a coffee face to face with an editor that's a really good thing or going to an award ceremony like you did emma if there's any ever any award ceremonies you can get yourself nominated for that go and network at the ceremony with other editors that's often a good way as well and um, and if you put yourself up for awards and you do get shortlisted then that can really um, make editors aware of you and that's another good way yeah so it's just a, about name recognition isn't it even if you've never really had a proper conversation on social media um when they get your pitch if there's just something that makes you know sets off a little oh I think I know this person in their mind you just held their attention on that pitch a bit longer because they've sort of you know had an initial oh, I, th I think I've come across them before I mean part of that is about I suppose having um professional presence online making yourself easy to find um you know how important Karen do you think is is sort of branding uh in terms of getting noticed by those publications that you want to work for so I'm thinking like having a website um I noticed your website is very nice I was quite jealous of your website and um but social media presence and just that kind of consistency and just being easily easily found I think it is quite important. It's obviously something that will grow as your career grows um, and you've got more to talk about and more to share. But I think as soon as you can um, start being an active poster on things like Twitter and even Instagram, um, I think it does make a big difference because if people are sharing your posts, sharing your articles, um, don't underestimate how quickly um, you can get something around that network of journalists who follow each other, even if you don't directly have a connection with someone. And those posts are getting around, your name is getting around. So it, it's certainly worth having those social networks and being an active um, poster. Um, and then on top of that, like you say, Emma, the portfolio website, I, it's something, you know, I, it's taken me quite a while to get to get to my website to a stage where I'm actually happy with it and it has everything on it because you know you can't constantly be updating it, it takes time 
Um, but it is a very easy way in a pitch when you're approaching a new editor to say, you can find out a little bit more about me. This is my web page and it's all there. It's, you know, if they are interested and they want to just have a look at your experience, it is all there in a really easy format um, for them to look at. So I do recommend um, as, as people grow their articles and grow their ideas, um, start putting that actually on a website so that um, people can see what you do and make it really easy to access as well, like your name and author or writer or whatever it is. Um, nice, easy, Googleable um, name as well. Yeah, I think all of that's really important, isn't it? Having that kind of stuff in the background, or even if you're using something like Muckrap, which I think you used on a, um, can be a good way of just having you know a profile that people can look through all your articles really quickly yeah I'm, um, quite, I... um, I'm quite unusual in that I <laughs> don't have a website um and I just I do I tend to to just link to my profile in the Guardian because I luckily you know have quite a lot of articles up there um and it's I just find that that's usually enough um because it is quite a prestigious publication um, and I keep thinking oh maybe I should set up a website but I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what function it would perform apart from having that portfolio aspect um, yeah. um because I tend to put all my contact details and my signature anyway but I, I just don't know what opportunities I'm missing out on so difficult to to know whether it's yeah. worth the cost. <laughs> and I think it depends also what stage of your career you're at yeah. so if you're starting out and you've got kind of bylines spread about all over the place, I think it can be useful to kind of collate them all together. But like, as you say, if you've got like a really strong profile on one um, publication that you can link to, then that, then that may be um, enough. Something um, I just wanted to come back to actually, Donald, because you were talking about uh, on social media, kind of flattering editors or responding <laughs> to tweets and things. And I wonder how much of that, like you should put into a pitch um I certainly know for like magazines like if I was pitching for the first time I might mention that I'm a subscriber or there was a particular feature that I liked and uh, you know I can this idea might also fit that section but I wonder is that kind of the done thing in newspapers would you kind of flatter the publication or the editor in a pitch Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it's not even flattering, really. It's just demonstrating that you're keen and that you've read you've read the publication. Um, and that that always makes a difference, because I think a lot of people assume that they should come up or they, they kind of think way to freelancers come up with a great idea and then find a publication that that you think it would suit and just pitch it to that one. And then if they say no, pitch it to another one. And then if they say no, pitch and actually, the way I found um, that I've become successful as a freelancer is by doing the opposite. So thinking, well, I love this publication. I love this section. I really want to write for them. So what ideas can I come up with specifically for that section, specifically for that editor? And then when the editor says no, changing the idea and but pitching to the same publication, the same editor. And that's how you build up a relationship. And that's how you get the feedback on your pictures and eventually get commissioned and I think that most you know it's you've got to think about it from the editor's perspective that they have this this blank page every week that they need to fill and it's your job to 
to fix that problem for them, just the way they would call a plumber to come and fix their toilet. They wouldn't expect the plumber to turn up and go, well, actually what I really feel like right, right doing this week um, is not fixing toilets, but like looking at your sink, because I think that'd be really interesting for me. It's like, no, you need to, you need to give the editor what, what they want, what the reader wants, um, and not just do whatever it is you're interested in. Um, so that's how you, that's how you succeed as a freelancer, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just comes back to this kind of resilience, persistence, and just knowing that everyone else is in the same boat. We're all doing it. We're all having to be persistent. We're all having to find new ideas. There's always things that haven't worked out and haven't got there. And I think as a freelancer, you can be, you know, you're at home working on your own. It can feel quite isolating. So just be secure in the knowledge that we're all kind of going through this through this process I mean one thing that I did want to uh, talk about and Karen I'll ask this one to you is can you be too focused if you've got that dream publication in mind and you're too kind of zoned in on them can that hold you back because you both talked about it taking so long and taking it you know a really long time so you know do you need to be open-minded I suppose about all the different places that you're going to work and all the different places that you know you might have to pitch to and one day you'll get there but you know in the meantime you've got to have lots of clients and you know spread your wings far and wide um I think I think it's important if you do have a dream publication in mind, it is it is good and, you know, obviously healthy for you to keep focusing on that. that that's, that's not a bad thing at all. But at the same time, you can look at similar publications, perhaps in that same uh, same realm of um, feature or type of article or um, subject matter and um, have a look at what else is out there and see if there's somewhere else along that spectrum that you can start off pitching to that might be a bit more accessible. Um, so, you know, while you might shift your focus slightly, if, if it's a topic that you are very interested in or an area of writing you're really interested in, you can still, um, you know, get experience pitching in that area. Um, it's it's something, you know, I, th I do think obviously as freelancers, we need to earn money. Um, we need to pay the bills. It's, it's, it's a job at the end of the day. Unfortunately, you, you do have to sort of spread your, uh, pitching talents far and wide, um, to a certain extent. And I think that's quite individual to each person as well, depending on your situation and how much time you can afford to stick to one publication. But at the same time, um, for me, I, I, and this is not just with Telegraph Travel, this has happened with different publications in the past. It is that determination to get into that that one publication that has worked for me. It's that focus and knowing that at some point the right pitch will hit and believing in myself and believing in that will that happening one day, not being put off, being resilient, like Donna said. Um, so I think it's somewhere in the middle, you know, you've got to find your balance of what works for you in terms of what you, you know, earning a limit, a living and um, what you can manage, but also not completely letting go and saying, okay, well, that didn't work. So I'm not going to go back to it, or I don't know what to do here. So I'm not going to go back to it. Um, keep weaving in and out essentially, and, you know, creating quite an independent path towards getting to the place you want to be. I think that idea of letting go is really important and I really struggled with that when I first started freelancing and there's still a couple of ideas I think oh like that story needs to be out there 
um, but never quite managed to get it right and just had to kind of move on. So, yeah, it is important to kind of be able to do that. Um, I wanted to ask something a bit more kind of practical um, because we've talked about like really understanding a publication. Um, But say, for example, um, you want to study a newspaper or a magazine and you don't want to take, you know, spend weeks and weeks buying it. You want to just look through back catalogues. Have you got any tips on like how do you actually go about finding previously published editions of a paper? Because not everything was always online. So how how might you actually get hold of content? Donna, have you got any tips on that? Mm, I, I don't really. I think I, I think I'd just I would just look online. I mean, I suppose if it was a magazine, you could put a call out locally to like some local hairdressers or some you know where they might have old magazines um, yeah but I, I don't really know I mean there may be public um things you can subscribe to where online where you can get back issues but I think the key thing is to um to start to read to start to just buy it every week going forward so that you can be more religious about you know um reading it I would also say that there is a really good technique if you can find like a, a section um, online of like past interviews of a particular slot or whatever it is that you want to pitch for. And um, so you can you can analyze the article and turn it into a pitch. And that way you will know what exactly the editor commissioned. So I call it like backwards pitching, where basically you go through the article that's been published and you think, what's the news hook? Who, what did the person say, you know, it's topical because of blah, 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 right? And then who did the, the journalist say they were going to interview? Is it a case study? Is it an expert in X or Y or Z? Um, was there some statistics? You know, what did they, how did they structure this article as a pitch what did they write in their pitch and if you actually go to the trouble of writing that down and you do it on a few of the um articles in the slot you want to write for you'll start to see a pattern emerging this editor is always commissioning pieces that have a strong case study um a topical hook of some statistics new statistics or um and always has an expert psychologist on blah 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 or whatever it is and then you will start to see what you need to write in your pitch to appeal to that editor and that can you know make a massive difference because it makes you look like you understand the ingredients of each article and just the way that their regular freelancers do yeah I mean I've um that's really good advice and I've also um had quite a bit of luck with so that I write for quite a lot of specialist publications and they're often behind paywalls or you have to be a GP or a nurse or a health professional to get access or sign up to them and I've um, basically just got in touch with their like comms team or their customer service and said look I'm a journalist and I'd like you know I'm writing an article on XYZ something relevant and um, I, I can't get access to your articles can you give me a uh you know free access as a media pass and I think every single time they have done in fact I contacted a US one recently that I needed um to access and I think they use freelancers as well I've been kind of (laughs) trying to work out who writes them 
and they gave me free media pass so sometimes you just have to ask sometimes you just have to ring up and say can I have some back issues can I have a online password and it might it it might actually work yeah if you don't ask you don't Um, get right I've had that happen actually I've had that happen with an editor who I had been pitching to and hadn't actually achieved um or haven't hadn't got a commissioned piece yet um she actually offered on the first first pitch where she said no she actually offered to send me some magazines saying I know it's quite hard to get hold of our titles so why don't I send you some and then you can go reform that pitch and see how it suits the magazine and that was brilliant so a lot of editors are um, you know in certain areas happy to help in that way um and there's also an app called readly r-e-a-d-l-y readly um that is a subscription app um that does actually have a lot of magazines and back issues um on there so i on the entertainment side certainly you can find a lot of uh, women's weeklies and monthlies on there and there are a few tabloid newspapers on there as well so it's got quite a wide wide range of back issues on there that you can have a look at yeah and it's all tax deductible as well so if you're you know subscribing to something like readly or getting paying for back issues or buying the newspaper remember to put it through your expenses as well and I love that idea Donna of going through articles and writing a pitch in fact I think I'm going to get my students to do that because normally we get them to write come up with ideas themselves and write a pitch but I love that idea of having an existing story and working out what the pitch is I think that's a really good tip really good practice actually yeah and Lily, you, should, pitching. you should get them to do it on one of your articles and then you can <laughs> tell them you can show them what you actually pitched because I've done that with students and they yeah. and they always come up with way better pitches than I actually yeah that, that's what would worry me <laughs> <laughs> but but that's okay because you know obviously the the pitch is not the idea fully formed but they can see the difference of like the key things that you you actually did include in your pitch that Mm. then made it through and sometimes when you're pitching you can literally like come up with a headline and you can come up with the first line of the piece and then that that is pretty much used so those are great pitches and then and I mean there's so much there's so many clues in an article about a pitch and often people just don't pick up on them because they're not looking mm. for the pitch. But if you train your brain to do that, you will start to notice those patterns. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's really, it's really good advice. I'm going to start doing that if I can ever find the time to do it. Um, I want to uh, ask you both one last question to sort of bring this to a close. It's something that you both alluded to at the beginning once you've kind of got your foot in the door and got that first commission in your dream publication, what can you do to make sure you get invited to write for them again and again? And it's not just a one-off. Um, Donna, I'll come to you first. Let's let's just say your top tip for making that a routine gig. Well, the first thing I'd say is whenever an editor writes to you, write to you even if they say, uh, not for us, something like that when you pitch you you should always reply and say thank you so much for taking the time to respond to me when I know you must be very busy and um, I'm really keen to write for you so I'll, I'll try again take on board what you said or something like that um, and that is you you need to set the tone of the relationship that you want with the editor so it's friendly and um, really polite and you know really responsive that's how you need to be so when you file your first piece you should be saying to them you know thank you so much for commissioning me 
I really appreciate um, that you, that this opportunity to write for you. And I know it's my very first article. So um, if I haven't got it quite right, please don't hesitate to come back to me with any questions or feedback or um, anything you want me to redo or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here, this is my number, give them your actual, you know, mobile number so they can get hold of you at really short notice if they need to. And, and just say, you know, uh, I'd love some feedback because it's my first pick article for you and I'll look very closely at the edit as well and then um when you it is published I would say you know it's all it can be worth getting in touch again say I really love the way you edited my piece if, if you did like it and obviously if you didn't like it probably don't say that but um but yeah just you know if you are happy with it and it's like it mean means a lot to you to see it in print I would say that and say I love the way it looks like I love the pictures and thank you you've done a great job because editors don't don't often get that kind of um feedback or praise from from writers and everyone likes to hear that they've done a good job and that the writer's happy with them so that's that's worth doing and then as you um get to you know pitching more and you commission you maybe the second or third time then it's worth saying to them, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be in London and I wondered if I might, um, you might be free for me to pop, pop in and buy you a coffee uh, in your canteen or or go out for a coffee. Um, because I'd really love to meet you face to face and perhaps find out a bit more about how I can um, improve my pitching to you or what, what you do and don't want to hear from me about in the future. Um, and that, again, just, just really helps. So I think um, continuing to read the publication as well and um, not 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 you know pitching them ideas that they've already seen from other people you need you still you just still need to keep that that relationship maintain it and sort of not oil it almost like um like you would oil a machine but after after you've met them that often really makes a big difference yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that you said there, Donna, really stood out to me as something that I know editors have said to me, and that's being responsive. So it's your job as a freelancer to make their life easy. So if they've got any queries, if they've got anything they need you to change or that, you know, just answer immediately. I had um, a feature that I'd written last week and it was just about to go to press, but they weren't sure about one of the job titles and they needed me to check it quickly you know, you've got to be kind of paying attention to your emails coming through and to, you know, if you make their life hard, they're not going to use you again. So that's just something really simple that you can do off off the bat. Karen, have you got anything to add there about um, how to get invited back? Um, yeah, just exactly as Donna said, keep being responsive, but also um, be be positive when it's a when it's a no. Um show that you're still grateful to get a reply that's really important it's it might feel disheartening but ignoring it or you know taking your bad mood out on the editor is not going to help at all um and one thing i know that editors really appreciate is um sharing those articles when they do come out so get on social media and you know say you know quote quote title or you know talk about this is what I wrote for so and so and I always say like thank you so and so for the commission as well where I can um if they're on that social network and I think they really appreciate it and it also gets that article out there and it gets it gets it more scope so um just just 
be aware that there are different ways to show your gratitude as well and show that you're really passionate about that title and proud to be writing for it. That comes across if you're sharing, sharing those tweets or Instagram posts and things. There's also things which you definitely shouldn't do. So for example, you need to stick to the brief. So if don't go off brief, if they've told you, you know, make sure you put these things in your, in your article, then don't ignore them, right? Don't ignore anything the editor says. And, and if something is problematic, like when you're writing it and something comes up and, or, you know, it's not going to work out the way that you and the editor had originally planned it would, get in touch with the editor and ask them or tell them what the situation is and, you know, suggest a solution, but don't just go ahead without checking with them that it works for them because they may actually think that it'd be better to, to solve it another way. And, you know, you need to show that you're collaborative and that you respect the editor's opinion and their judgment on everything. So if they've edited your piece and, you know, there's unless there's something inaccurate that's been introduced, don't complain, don't, um, you know, don't go back to them and say, well, I'm really upset with you. Um, you know, I thought I wrote it way better. No, <laughs> that's so unprofessional. And, and never as well, like I've seen on people on um, social media, like saying, well, I pitched this article, it's commissioned, but then I decided I didn't want to write it anymore. Or I want to write it from somewhere else. You can't do that. Like that's really mm. unprofessional as well. So there's lots of things that will put an editor off commissioning you again and um, so just yeah just try to not be one of those freelancers yeah I saw that one recently I know the one you're referring to and I, you could there was a collective gasp I think <laughs> <laughs> people were like what <laughs> oh yeah it's just it's just bad manners isn't it and you're not going to get permission by that editor again um, I think you've both given loads of really practical advice there. And one thing I just wanted to pick up on what you're saying about having a coffee with editors if you're in London. I think the other thing is, if you're not in London, then just ask them if you can have a quick phone chat or even a Zoom coffee. I've done that with loads of editors um, and they're quite often happy to jump on a call for like 15 minutes and, and chat through kind of the stuff that they're looking for and, and ask for feedback on on how it's been going and the types of pictures you've been sending and if they're happy with your your copy it doesn't have to be in person it, it it's nice when it is but you know there are other means and I think editors are used to doing zoom calls now so to kind of don't worry if you're not in London fantastic okay well I think we're going to wrap up there um so just finally we're going to ask you both for your top piece of advice from today's chat so Donna kind of what would your one key tip be I would say um just because you get rejected once doesn't mean that it's going to be no forever and um, so if instead of just ignoring you or or if an editor you know replies reply to you every time and said without fail please keep pitching please try again than you would but editors don't tend to say that so you've got to say it to yourself you know your your next idea might just be the one they are looking for so every time you pitch the void when they don't reply to you or they reply and they say no thanks not for us or sorry not this time just imagine that they are really saying please keep pitching try again we really want to hear from you again and if you have that voice that response in your head then it can help you to carry on and keep being resilient and persistent. 
absolutely it's like the little helper angel on your shoulder (laughs) saying all the things you wished you were hearing uh Karen same question to you what would your sort of one uh top tip from today's episode be um mine would be take that research seriously spend that time um don't skimp on and think there's an easy way around it just just really do it and there's no other way around it um but the the brilliant side of that is that you are you become the reader and you are the reader of the place you are pitching to so you will know what you enjoy from that that publication so um yeah just just take it seriously yeah definitely two great pieces of advice there thanks very much Okay, so finally, as our way of sharing the freelance love, we want to ask both of you, who is the freelance journalist that's caught your eye recently? So Donna, who is your freelance recommendation? Well, there are so many top (laughs) freelancers out there, so it's really hard to choose, but I'd have to say um, Hannah Summers. Um, So she's been writing this amazing series of articles for The Observer about unregulated psychological experts who give advice uh, evidence in court about something called parental alienation and um, and I think some of what she's uncovered is absolutely just shocking and I really admire her tenacity and hard work on on that series um, and she's also a working mum like me and really fun to have a drink with and we're going to have a drink tonight we're meeting up tonight at the party so really looking forward to seeing her <laughs> Fantastic. That's a really good uh, shout out. I've read her work on that and uh, it's really, it's kind of one of those journalists you're like, oh, I I really wish that I I was doing the kind of investigations that she's been doing there. Uh, Same question to you, Karen. Who's your freelance recommendation? Um, I'm going to say, and again, there are so many people who deserve a good credit here but um, I'm going to say a gentleman called Shafiq Megji Um, he's a travel writer he actually published a book recently called Crossed Off the Map Travels in Bolivia but off that he has written some fascinating articles on South America and Bolivia as a whole um, particularly to do with sustainability and indigenous populations and how that goes hand in hand And, and it's something that unless you read about it and you take the time to learn about it you wouldn't know the sort of impact of indigenous populations and how how we you know the sustainability side of life that we're looking at now um it it goes back to like ancient times um when they were really doing it right and we're scrambling to get back so he tells some beautiful stories about it um it's well worth checking out brilliant two great recommendations and we'll put links to um both of those freelancers and their work uh in our show notes Excellent. Okay, well, time to bring this episode to a close and hopefully now we can all dash off and connect with our dream publications. I've still got one on my list that I haven't quite cracked. So this has spurred me on to uh, go and uh, get my thinking cap back on. Yes, we will take our inspiration away and, and get cracking on those pitches. Uh, If you want to make more connections, come and join our Freelancing for Journalists Facebook community. We've got I think it's getting on for 6,000 members in there yeah. now. It's growing every day. We are still on Twitter. We're at Freelancing4 and you can follow us individually. I'm at Lily Cantor. And I'm at Emma Journo. And big thanks, as always, to our research assistant, Helen Quinn, and our producer, Maddie Drury. And we'll be back again next week. 
Goodbye for now. Bye. Bye.